I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Good day, great day, evening, morning, wherever you are in the world. So glad that you have decided to come and kick it with us again. And if you are new here, what's up? Glad to have you. I have the pleasure of spending time today with Alenia Moore, who is a young and vibrant speaker and she's someone who has a message definitely for helping women who are looking to find their purpose and unleash their dreams. She's someone who is, you know, of course, first-gen college graduate and entrepreneur, just out here doing her thing. So I'm going to be quiet, of course, so that Alenia can come in and let y'all know who she is for herself. So Alenia, welcome. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fine. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are so, so very welcome. So, you know, let's just jump in. Tell us who you are and and what you do and what you stand for. Like, give us the deets. Well, thank you so much. Well, first of all, I am originally from Toledo, Ohio. I always say Ohio raised me, Indiana pays me. And so I am the first generation college graduate, was raised with my grandmother, didn't really have my mother there. And I don't know who my father is to this day. And so Hmm. I really was kind of on a search to find out, you know, how can I be something different, something other than what I was used to growing up. And so at the age of 17, I went on a search and I I went three hours away from home to the University of Cincinnati because that was the furthest place in Ohio that I could go to, you know, that was far away from home. And so (laughs) I actually had the pleasure of completing my undergraduate degree, which was criminal justice through the isolation and the frustrations and the cries and the laughs and the not really having anybody to call to reach back to, you know, when I was upset and frustrated, you know, I made it, you know, it took me five years, but Hey, it's not about how long it took me. It's about the fact that I completed. So sitting here today, fast forward, ended up going back to school and I received my master's in organizational leadership. And I ended up writing a book and I started a nonprofit organization, which is a mentoring program called Ladies Under Constructions. And I'm just loving the fact that just pushing to turn our obstacles into opportunities and just looking at first generation college graduate as that changing of the trajectory of our bloodline. So I'm just excited to be here and I'm just excited. I'm excited for those that are in the same seat I was in in 2002 from 2007. So I'm just glad to be here. We're glad to have you here. And just curious, you know, you said the farthest away that you can go to University of Cincinnati. Why didn't you think to go further? <laughs> like, why would you like, I'm just going to go ahead and go to HBCU. What was your thought behind that? You know what? Being very, very transparent. So I graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA. 
And so I was didn't have scholarships. I was raised with my grandmother. So we had the grants and anything out of state would have been more expensive for me. And so for me, three hours away and coming from a family that didn't drive and kind of a lot of mediocrity and dysfunction, that three hours was kind of out of state for me, you know? So I did that. I actually didn't really apply anywhere else because I really didn't know anything. Counselors really wasn't there to help. I just knew I wanted to go somewhere. And so once I was accepted by the grace of God to the University of Cincinnati, I was accepted to their first gen program because I didn't have the GPA that qualified me to actually go to college at that time based on that GPA. And so my first year was all remedial classes Mm. where I basically had to show myself, you know, I had to show myself. And if I didn't receive a 2.0 that first year, it was back home for me. And so Mm. many times I cried in my dorm. I didn't know what to do. But I tell you what, I busted my butt in those TA offices and really studying and pushing myself. And that first year I ended up receiving, I believe it was a 2.3, 2.4 GPA. Mm. And so I was so excited, but nobody will ever know the the inner me that I dealt with that first year. I couldn't pick up the phone and call anybody because it was me. I was the first person to experience this. So on campus, I started talking to my professors and I just start being a sponge because on that campus was a, a just a campus of opportunities that I never had. And so I just you know, that that's that's why I did it, you know, um, and it felt so good. I, I always remember just driving that road, you know, three hours. And I knew I went home every quarter, every three months I went home. But other than that, I had to go away and I had to be something different. So that moment of isolation was what I needed to become who I am today. So it worked. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. If you could do anything differently, what would you do? I would have taken high school more seriously. Hmm. And so I I would have definitely taken high school more seriously and I wouldn't have been using excuses of, well, I wasn't taught this or I wasn't that. When you get around 14, 15, it's time to start making decisions that's going to be better for your future, you know. And yes, people say teenagers are still young, but I think we need to give teenagers more credit than we Mm. give them once they get into that freshman, sophomore year. It's time to get ready for life. Hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't heard too many people say that. And I, because again, 14, 15 is pretty young. Like you, like they say, you hadn't smelled yourself yet. You don't know anything about the world. So then what can we do to help teens prepare themselves and make it a realistic thing for them? You know, just kind of just thinking in general for those of us who work with teens, because it's a conversation, like I said, that that needs to be had. But for some places and people and cultures, even you need to sit down somewhere and be a kid, you know, and then for you, you're saying, well, no, you need to go ahead and grow up a little bit and really start thinking about your life. So I know there's two ends of that spectrum. Yeah. So I would say definitely, definitely be a kid. And I'll give you an example. You know, it's so interesting. We're talking about this because I have custody of my sister's son, which, and he just turned 15. And so uh, we're going through this right now. I allow him to be a kid. That's okay. But you also have to be accountable because one thing we don't show our children and tell our children that at the age of 14, 15, I don't want you to go out and get a job because your job is school. Mm. And I need you to make the way you make money in that job of school is to get A's and B's. And I mean, if you end up getting C's, that's okay too. But your job in high school 
is to do what you need to do so that if you do go to college and when you go to college, if college is something for you, you're going to be able to cash out. And when I say cash out, that means cash out on the scholarship. Because if you only, if you take it serious in high school, your grades, you're going to cash out on scholarships. So when you, you're not going to be 36 like me, 50, 60, $70,000 in debt. So letting them see the bigger picture. If you cash out while you're in high school and I pay for grades, my nephew gets A's, he gets money. He gets B's. He, we have a whole system all the way from A's to C's. So that's your job. So if we only teach them like that, how I get paid is I get paid for my A's, B's, and maybe some C's. Then when it is time to really cash out, I'm going to cash out more when it's time for college if that's the avenue that I want to go to. Because later on in life, we're going to have to pay for it one way or the other. And we don't want to pay for it by these student loans. That's a whole fact. (laughs) But I, I get, and I used to get paid for grades when I was growing up. But I also enjoyed school. So, like, I knew it was going to be some easy cash. Right, (laughs) right. You know, but I think the flip side is, but for me, I eventually did go to school and have had almost three degrees paid for just from not all academic. My first degree was completely paid for, full scholarship. And then I had assistantships in school. But at the end of the day, was using my brain to advance. And so, like, I Mm -hmm. like the idea of their responsibility and accountability. But... Definitely a different vibe or different, you know, conversation, but one to be had because we have to think about even like culturally sometimes, not even sometimes, all the time, where we have to start instilling certain values and thoughts and belief to be able to help our youth to become who they're going to be. But I also think we have that responsibility of being the example too. So, right. right. Yeah, but just a thought there. So, just, you know, being a first generation college graduate, you know, yourself. What are some of the major life lessons you've learned since graduating? Hmm. Uh, major life lessons. It's not going to be easy. That's a huge lesson that I, I continue to go through each and every day. When you talk about a deep bloodline of no one going to college, you know, you're doing something that's different. And sometimes it may seem like other family members may seem like that is portrayed as you think that you're better than or because you did take that opportunity, people will try to have you as someone to enable them to where they feel like you are, you need to continue to pour into them, pour into them, and you're not receiving anything. And so for me, it's it's definitely, definitely a hard thing, but it's definitely worth it. I have 17 nieces and nephews that are coming after me. And Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I push hard because I know that I'm doing something that is going to change generations. And it's it's going to be the fact that if I did it, this gives you that opportunity and that breath of hope and that belief that you can potentially do it too. You don't have to only do like some of the other individuals, although I love them to death, you know, it's just different choices and things that we have to make. And if you put your mind into it, you can do it. You know, even me at 1.7 GPA from high school and now graduated as a, my graduate degree was more than a 3.0, you know? So if you, if you put the people in place that look like your future and you're around people that are smarter than you and that know a little bit more than you in certain areas and you use yourself as that sponge the same way we're doing when we're a first generation college student, continue to take that whole spirit in life. Everything that I do, I'm always hungry to find out where's the resource or where is the people that can Mm. help connect me to get to this, even as an adult, whether that be 
first generation person that want to be married. It's so many different first generation of things that we want to become. But how can you be that if you never saw it? You have to go around people that emulates that particular lifestyle that you want. Hmm. So then let's think about that from just being a, a professional, because you said you have a master's degree, you're a professional, you're an entrepreneur. How then can people go about trying to get some of those relationships that they believe they need or even that they just want, period, to be successful? Yes. So what I would say as far as a professional, say if you get that entry level position or maybe it's your first career out of college. Think about what it is that you're doing. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Say if I become a case manager or a social worker, who's in that building? Who's in that area that has been there for 10 years, been there for five years, maybe retired from the field? How can you, as a beginning professional, connect with them and ask them questions of things that they wish they would have done when they first started? Hmm. And so I think when we do that, a lot of times when we go into professional settings and we're new, we kind of sit back and kind of learn, learn, learn. That's okay. But what if we took it to where we started being around people that have been in that field? Mm -hmm. We have to be able to, as the younger generation, receive the wisdom, you know, receive the wisdom and deposit that wisdom. Even if we may not use that wisdom at that point, Although it's deposited within you, you may never know. You may need it that second year into your profession. But because mm. that wisdom has been deposited and you have received information from someone who had years of experience to where maybe you can't get into that situation to where you're saying, hey, if I sit here and have a conversation and develop a relationship with this professional, that can save me maybe the five years of what they went through knowing mm -hmm. what that information is. So just continuing to know the greatest leader knows how to also follow and the greatest teacher knows how to also be a student. And so the greatest professional should be able to know how to reach back and ask those questions to people that have walked that path before. Mm, that's real. That's real. Thank you for sharing that. And just kind of even just think about all that you've done, though, like you're a professional, you're an author, you're a speaker, you have a nonprofit. How have you been able to manage and juggle it all or figure out what's the priority? What's next? What you going to do? Because it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely a lot. But, you know, you're doing it and getting your first gen. You don't have or didn't have those resources and people around you, you know, just automatically to be able to say, this is what I'm going to do now. How can I do it? Can you show me? Or you didn't grow up watching it either. And, you know, I understand that. So what was your thing to be able to balance it all, to be able to go for it all and figure it out really? You know, honestly, for me, uh, even as we're talking about it, I think about it every day. I tell myself and I'm like, wow, how did I, how did I get to this point? Why me? You know what I mean? And I and I sit back and I I when I go home and visit and I see different things and I'm like, wow, I was the chosen one. You know, mm. I am the chosen one. And I I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And I would say by the grace of God, because allowing me to have a sound mind, allowing me to overcome so many things that my family still faced with to this day. I always sit back and if there's my mind is forever going. And so although I've accomplished those things, I feel like I'm just getting started. 
And so when I think about that, and it's like that, that feeling that you have on the inside, when you know that there's just something more in you, but you just don't know what it is. So Mm. for me, a lot of times I have to try to keep up with myself and I have to remember, like, for instance, the things that were shared, you know, I used to think that I have to give, 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 but I said, you know what, Alenia, what if you take that time also to start pouring back into you. And that's when I went back and got my master's. That's when I finished that book. That's when I did different things. And I'm like, you know what? Because those are tools that you can also use. Mm -hmm. And so for me, in high school, I had my basketball coach that was my father figure. And so he played a huge role in the discipline that I received. And really just, I'll be honest with you. I like to be around people that are thrivers. Growing up, I was surviving. I was around people that were in survival mode, survival mode, survival mode. And now I see people that are thriving and I'm like, that's what I want. I want to thrive. I want to thrive. But in order to do that, I'm always talking with people. I have I have a spiritual mother. She's in her 70s. I have a, as I call her, my Indiana mother. She's in her 50s. And I always, as a mother now, I have an eight-year-old daughter. I look at them and I see different women that I want to emulate, you know? And so for me, it's because I surround myself around people that looks like that next version that I want to become. And so although it's not easy because I would love to bring my family with me, but one thing I've learned in life is that you can't expect someone else's capacity of their cup to be like yours because they weren't given that. And they have different obstacles, whether it's mental health, whether it's drug abuse, whether it's whatever it is. They have different things that is stopping their cup from being full. But don't dim your light or dilute yourself just because someone else can't can't take what you have. You just have to find that next level of greatness for yourself. And there's somebody that's going to accept you at your best. And so I used to always kind of dilute myself, you know, based on the comfort and surroundings because I didn't want nobody to think I was better than or this. But now it's like, I'm going to show up as the best version of myself and what I have and set my goals. And somebody is connected to me based on my next level. But I have to find that somebody. Mm. That's real. That's You got to find it somebody. And it's like, you know, when you think about it, there are people who are out there who are willing to help. But I think the other thing is, People who are helping doesn't always mean that help is free. Right. Something I will say, too, because I think sometimes as first gens who come from low income backgrounds, too, we think about help as like, I don't have the money, I can't afford it or I got to pay for this. But that's a, a mental shift that we have to make that sometimes when you need the help that you're looking for, you have to be willing to invest in that help. But because there's a return and there's a service and it's a problem that's being solved for you. And oh, so yeah. that's something that, you know, I really want more people to really think about, especially us. So that as we continue to expand our horizons or we broaden, you know, our perspectives that we're thinking about, what does help look like for me? So, yeah, but thank you for putting that out there. What made you decide to go for a nonprofit rather than doing a for-profit? So I actually have both. So I didn't start my for-profit until around 2014. So my nonprofit was because 
I wanted to, although I haven't reached out for any fundings or anything like that, I just wanted to have an organization. I wanted to have a foundation that I leave behind as a legacy. And so once I started doing the mentoring and, and working in schools and different things like that, I knew that one of the journeys that I have and one of my passions in life is to be that person for young girls that were once me. And so I just wanted to give back. I didn't want to receive any money and I did it for a while. And to be honest, it took a long time for me to even make it a nonprofit because I, I didn't want to. I was used to people politicking. I was used to people, you know, doing things to kind of get over. So I didn't want to make it seem like I was that person because I'm very, very intentional. And I didn't want people to come to be a part that was not really for the children. And so I ended up doing it because I, like I said, it started in 2009 and here we are in 2021. And I did it for a long time and I started receiving so many different community service awards and the mayor's awards and all these different awards. And I was just like, I'm always super humble. And people are like, you just don't know what you're doing, you know. But I just I went ahead and did it because I know for me it's bigger than me. And so when I look at getting some grants and getting funding and different things, I had to get out of my own way because if it was up to me, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I have so many people that speak to me and they tell me, you know, what you're doing, you can have a building, you can have funders, you can have all these different things. But the key is when you're nonprofit, you have a lot of tax deductible things that people can do. So, for instance, if a if a dealership wants to provide me with a van, I can get that and it's a tax write off for them. And so that is a big difference of why I ended up doing nonprofit, because you have a lot of people that want to help. But at the same time, they want a tax break, too. So when you talk about larger things that you're wanting to get, it's going to be better when you're a nonprofit because nonprofit, although it doesn't mean you're not going to make money, people think that. What that means is that when people do donate, they can actually use that as a tax write-off on their federal taxes. Love that. So then the flip side is what made you establish the LLC more out of life speaks? Because again, to have both, that's a lot to juggle. <laughs> you know, like one is already enough, but then thinking about, I mean, I know they both have their benefits because I was at the crossroads years ago if I wanted to go full-time nonprofit or for-profit and I chose for-profit. So again, the backside is what made you go back and do the LLC. So what had made me do the LLC is because, so once I started the nonprofit, I, I was getting volunteers and I had group mentors and individual mentors. And so I started to get a lot of bookings for me. They didn't want the mentors, they didn't want the mentors to come to Dang. <laughs> So although the mentors were providing the group mentoring, which was phenomenal, I started getting requests from like my field, just kind of professionalism in a nutshell. I worked through juvenile center. I was a counselor for years. I worked at Job Corps. I worked in the mental health field. I worked in the school system, alternative education. So because of my experience, I started getting requests from like I'm a Boys and Girls Club Youth of the Year uh, runner up. So I have a lot of different things that I've had myself. And so people started to want me to come to speak to their girls. And so when I started to go into like the Boys and Girls Clubs or the juvenile centers in different places, because of my nonprofit, I'm like, okay, so that's ladies under construction, but this is something different, you know? And my ultimate goal full-time is to be an international speaker. And so that right there was able to allow me to birth what I didn't see. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. And so I started to think about it a lot more 
And so I wasn't going in, although I'm going in as ladies under construction, I was going in as, as my own entity. And so when it came to individual wanting to pay and different things like that, we all know Uncle Sam. We don't want it to be no issues with tax, you know, taxes and all those different things. And so what I did was found a way to actually have myself as a brand as I continue to have my volunteers being trained and working as that mentor entity. And so that's what made me do that because it's much more different and I have a different ramification because ladies under construction is for ages eight to 18. More Out of Life Speaks is more so the teenage girls and young women. And so that's because I can work with you one-on-one and I can help you per se, get more out of life. So let's talk about these things and these obstacles that we need to change into opportunities. So one-on-one, you get me. You don't have to go to a group mentoring. You can, but you get me one-on-one if you're ready for this breakthrough and you're ready to change the trajectory. We can pivot through more out of life. Mm, we can pivot through more out of life. I, you, you better speak today. <laughs> um, I, I love that. And then, you know, just thinking about what you say, in terms of why you did the two. I want to thank you for sharing that. It's important, you know, definitely for those of you who are listening to decide if one route is better than the other, they can both work together. And you're one of the first guests to have had both. And so for me, you know, it's important that we think about how we want to show up and what it looks like, but then also how we balance it all because it can be learning about the red tape with the nonprofits versus learning about the tax thing with the for-profit. So it's just a lot, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun and it's, and it's doable. But again, I, I appreciate you for giving us feedback there. And I want to encourage real quick someone, because even though it's discouraging, don't think that even when you're doing it, you're still not going to be discouraged. <laughs> Being discouraged yeah. and frustrated and no matter how many years you're in it, it's all because it's something new. So don't mm-hmm. give up on yourself if that's really a passion inside of you. Do it even being discouraged and even not knowing how you got there, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage everyone with that because although I'm speaking today, I still have days to where I'm like, is this really going to work? Is this? But mm-hmm. you know what? We're not going to know until we do it. We only fail when we don't do it. The same thing when we first started college. We didn't know that thing was going to work. We didn't know we were going to get accepted. But what we did know is that we did it. We had to try. Yes. Mm. So same thing. If you can go back and do anything differently when you first started off as a business owner, because, you know, nonprofit is entrepreneurship too, folks. And I want, you know, you to understand that we only tend to think that entrepreneurs are people who are for profit. But if you have a business, it's a business, <laughs> period. Yes. But what would you have done differently, you know, going back, thinking about what you've learned that maybe would have just really helped either way? You know what? If I was to go back, to be honest, as I think now, I probably would have focused more on the business marketing and strategies. Yeah. yeah. Because I was focused on youth, which that's my passion. That's gonna that's that's me. You know what I mean? But mm. I probably would have focused on something that is still to this day hard for me. When you talk about strategic planning and all these different things, I would have focused more on the business, structural and foundation aspect of things. Thank you for sharing that. That's important. 
<laughs> that's important. <laughs> um, I know a lot of times, you know, we just get out here and like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. Then sometimes you be looking crazy. Like I probably should have spent more time me? figuring it out. <laughs> but it's okay though, because we live and we learn. And I, I love that. But look, I can't believe how much time has actually flied. It, I mean, flown, flown, flewed out. <laughs> now, but um, this has been such an incredible conversation and I, we can keep on talking. Probably need to have another one. But I want to know, you know, just at this point, though, because we got to wrap it up. I'm like, dang, this would this buy so fast. <laughs> um, yes. What piece of advice or, what, you know, words of wisdom would you leave us with? Because you've dropped many gems, but what's going to be like your sign off today? Like, how are you going to drop the mic on us? Let me tell you something. As I always say, you know, uh, my slogan is stay focused, dream big, don't quit. But I always say, find out how to how to take that mess and make it a message change your pain to purpose and your test into triumph. We didn't get here overnight, so it's not going to change overnight. So continue to be the change that you want to see. And I don't know about you, but for me, if it didn't happen before me, then it's my turn. It's our Hmm. turn to change the trajectory of our bloodline. And we have to do it. So if anybody's ready, it's, hey, like I always say, you got to get more out of life. But the question is, who are the people, places, and things you're going to allow to be placed in your life so that you can get that? Stay focused, dream big, and don't quit. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> and that's that. You dropped it on us. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. You have been really a joy. And to hear your story, to know what you've been through, to see what you've become, you know, you are definitely just like, you know, all the other guests and people who listen to the show, we just all examples of what we can be when we choose what we want for ourselves in spite of who we are, what we come from. So man, continue to be wonderful out here in this world. I know that you're like, well, how can I reach out to her? How can I connect with her? Go to the show notes. I always send you to the show notes because you'll get the full scoop, get some details that you may have missed as well. But her links are there to be able to connect so that, you know, just make it easy for you. Just, just a click. But outside of that, Alenia, you have been amazing for real. We wish you luck in everything that lies ahead. The international speaker, you already are. Just go ahead and claim that. And, um, you know, just keep changing lives. It's only you can do. No problem. Thank you so much, you all. And appreciate you having me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Mm, Bye-bye.